You're listening to The C-Dub Show. Visit us on the Say Something Nice podcast network at ssnpodcast.com. Follow us at The C-Dub Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Acast. And now, on to our show. Baby, when you look at me, are you looking with honesty in your heart? Is there really room for me to grow and be a part of your life? Or do you just want a one-night affair? Well, hello, everyone, everyone. It is a new episode of the C-Dub Show. We are recording this live on Sunday, October the 20th in the year of our Lord 2019. We are getting closer and closer to Halloween. I feel like everything has been stunted since I haven't been able to play clips and stuff from the internet no more. I'm going to have to figure my way around this. I just... Well, on our, on our Halloween one, you know, we got to play Thriller. We can't play Thriller. We can't. That's even worse. Oh, God. I don't want Katherine Jackson coming after me. Uh-uh. Stop it. <laughs> I don't, and I don't, I really don't want Reby coming after me. I don't want none of, Reby, Jermaine, I don't want none of them coming after me. So oh, maybe we'll, it. maybe we'll sing it. Maybe we'll, we'll teach it to Caleb and, <laughs> and he can sing it for us. But as you can hear, everyone, I do have Courtney on the line with me. Courtney, say hello to the people. Courtney? Oh no, we don't have Courtney on the line. Courtney, where'd you go? I'm not here. Oh, oh there you go. Oh, something accidentally hit mute. Oh, weird. listen, people, in case you guys missed the last episode, Courtney is bringing another child into the world. And and I you know I don't know the baby gonna be hitting the mute button and stuff I don't know what's I just don't know what's gonna happen after March. He, he will be uh, securely put away, being entertained by his big brother. Don't worry. Oh y'all, Caleb is a big brother. How cute. Aww. He will he will be out the way. Oh yes, and it is it is a boy. It's a boy. And what is his name? His name is Cruz. We need C R U Z. It's my mom's maiden name. So my little chickmunk. He and I'm t- was twenty weeks as far as um, Friday. So we are halfway through. So he's arriving hopefully the first week of March. I everybody we got a running. Uh, tab going on the guesses of his birthday. Caleb thinks he's coming on his birthday. So we got March 14th. I think he's coming March 3rd. My mom thinks the 12th. My dad thinks he'll come right on his due date, which that never happens. So I think he's going to come early. He's going to come in, in February so he can be an Aquarius. No, nah, I don't want him to come too early now because my, my, my baby shower ain't until February 8th. I thought it was so February 9th. Nah, oh yes, February eighth. I, I don't want him to come too early. Cause my birthday party is February 9th. 
birthday now. No, he can't. I mean, he could. Then he would be a great kid, but he probably won't. Nah, he, he probably gonna go to full 40. I would say at least he, he'll either come a week early or uh, probably be a little bit late. But I don't know. So well, we, we gonna all, pray. We gonna, yeah, we gonna, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you can as you can see, folks, or not see, as you can hear, Willis is not on the line with us. Willis is off doing some tests. You know, Willis is in grad school now. She be too busy for us sometimes, but she taking some tests. She didn't win overtime. She didn't win an hour overtime. I don't. I don't know. Willis know what she doing actually. She don't. Like I said, <laughs> if you can't get through a midterm in thirty minutes, you don't know the material. Willis, you have not been studying. You have been not studying. What is this? She been she been sitting there with Holly. Yeah, ever since ever since she got booed up, y'all. Ever since Willis got booed up, it's either the boo or study. She don't have time for us no more. It's, she don't love okay. us no more. It's she fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. Um, some news and notes, everyone. If you live here in the San Francisco Bay Area, or if you live in Sacramento or LA, I mean, if you live and you travel. We will be having a live episode of the C-Dub show on Thursday, November the 21st at the Commonwealth Club of California. You can visit our Facebook page. There is a link on there to get tickets. Tickets are free for the culture because we're going to talk about all the censorship on the Facebooks. And for that episode, I do have a particular video in mind to show, and I'm going to get the per- the permission of the content creator. But it's probably still won't be able to be on the. You won't be able to hear it on the stream because I mean Spotify. Sorry, y'all. Uh uh-uh, uh, don't be showing a Pastor Wilson video to nobody <laughs> else. Speaking of, <laughs> don't be showing Pastor Wilson video to anybody. Else. Listen, listen, people. So we are going to talk as you've seen in the the if you're looking at this on spotify or on itunes we're going to be talking about decolonizing forgiveness we're going to be talking about some real heavy stuff but because black folks can chew and what is it can't walk and chew gum at the same time yeah we're gonna we're gonna do heavy stuff but first we're gonna start with funny stuff so unless you've been under a rock which i found out there were a lot of people under a rock and maybe it's because this is a little bit pornographic um i woke up one day and one of my friends was talking about these videos. It's multiple videos, actually. There's been a lot of crazy stuff in video. Stop videoing yourself, people. When you having sex and stuff, stop taking videos. Because the internet is unforgiving. So there were two videos that the friend mentioned. One, apparently there's a barber in Atlanta who's a naked barber. You go to his house. He cut your hair. You get naked. He get naked. He cut your hair. And occasionally... The other customers give each other a little bit head, you know, fuck each other a little bit. Some slapping top while you're getting, <laughs> you're getting lined up. You know, I mean, because, you know, when you get fresh, you feel a little bit frisky and you want to have sex. So there was a video of this particular customer. Uh, the other one had on a mask because, you know, the Internet, he don't want his stuff getting found. Like we about to talk about Pastor Wilson. <laughs> But he got on a mask looking like uh, 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 El Nacho, Nacho Libra. <laughs> give, give a little head. But then the thing that kill it, though, is the dude start fucking him in the chair, in the barber chair. They start spinning around. Have you seen this one, Courtney? 
I've only seen part. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. I definitely saw where. Um, so, so the event is called Nude Cuts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the barber is got his whole. And now, see, I don't, I don't, you know, I take Caleb to the to the barber shop, and nothing of that <laughs> level goes down. I, I hope not. My child. I hope not. But you know, it's a lot of tools and sharp objects in a barber shop, mm-hmm. and I'm just imagining I would not want my penis out around you know the sharp tools. Hey, hey, hey! hey. So, don't yuck, folks. Young. Some I wouldn't folks. want that, but <laughs> he, he's he's found a, uh, a uh, you know specific demographic and clientele that is interested in getting their dick sucked while they're getting lined up. I did not see the actual sex part, but I definitely did see the, the dick sucking lined up, oh. and someone was giving him head. And it was a lot. Yeah, see, this th- when you keep watching. I mean, I said they're gonna be having barber chairs like they was buying them shower curtains when uh, after what's his name sex video from Love and Hip Hop because they were spinning around. I'll be honest, I was trying to, I was looking, trying to give me a little couple of tips because uh-uh. <laughs> I, but I do, ha- I have some questions and maybe I should find him on Twitter because I mean, you know, I'm a masculine of center woman. I get my hair cut at the barbershop. My barber would never do anything naked, and that's, you know, that's okay. But, I mean, if I go to Atlanta, and I Uh want to go to the naked barber, will they have someone who can service me, or is it only for dick sucking? Those are questions that deserve answers. Like, are you guys open to all clients? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I have something a little different, but, I mean, it's all generally the same in the end, you know. Stop recording yourself. This is this is gonna be a record or a, a repeated refrain. So, but they they want to be recorded. This other one now, I don't know. This is there's a whole lot of serious videos about this next one. The one that's really hit the internet is I, when I saw it. I said, "Who who granddaddy is this? Girl. Eating, eating this pussy like that? Like whose granddaddy is this? Because all you who who and it turned out." It's somebody pastor. Forget granddaddy. It's somebody pastor. Mm. So pastor, what's his name? David Wilson. They allegedly, David allegedly, Wilson allegedly. From a <laughs> uh, Bible, is it Bible Way? Bible Way Ministries and in, in Texas, right? It? It's Texas, Texas, Texarkana. Texas, yeah, Texarkana, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he was up in it down. <laughs> A young lady from his congregation who several folks rushed to point out was not his wife. Mm-hmm. They say that she was a little bit upset. Now this is where this is where you know Twitter gets confused. They said that she was upset because oh I forgot because it was something hella petty. That's why I said it couldn't be true because I thought they were no. gonna say that she was mad because he wouldn't leave his wife or something. But it was something. It was some. Tr- Basic church mess. I can't remember what it was now that I, I mean, that sound about right. Like, you're not going to leave your wife, so I'm going to expose you. I mean, people do that. Well, that no, sounds- I, I, I thought I thought it was going to be that. But what I heard was that it was something basic, messy shit. And I can't remember. Like, basic, when I say basic church mess, you know, church people, we get mad about shit like, who's speaking at the annual day? Or who get to do the announcements? Who get to sing the solo? It was something basic like that. That's why I said it can't be true. Because, you know, Twitter, if they can't find a reason... Twitter gonna make up a reason. Twitter. I mean, the most basic of reason was like, <laughs> it, it would be 
he don't want to leave his wife or, you know, he's telling you X, Y, Z. But what I don't get is like, one, now I don't know if this is actually the young, the young lady, the young lady I saw, she's quite young. She's, she looks still very much like an adult, but if she was any older than 25, I would be surprised. But you know, black don't crack. So you can't even really tell how old black folks be for a long time. Right. She seemed quite young. So I don't see like, say you getting, you know, you're getting your needs met mm-hmm. and you know, he probably sliding you some dollars here and there, you know, from the collection plate. Right. I don't see why she would want to limit her options to a old ass pastor. Like you kind of, you know, like you're getting your yeah, spiel. But you know, we know how what women's are in the church. They not even yeah. thinking about the dollars. They, it don't matter how small your church is. To them, the pastor is just like this powerful. Like the pastor want me, the pastor. Well, child, because he was eating the booty, and that's what I'm saying. If you get a pastor who really about to eat uh, eat the booty and and everything, I'm like, Lord have mercy. Now I've heard some stuff. I mean, I I think a lot. Most women have have their stories, and I, you know, I have my own stories about growing up in church and cheat. Um, you know, preachers trying to get at you, but some of the stuff that I've heard, I heard somebody told me once about they pastor sending them dick pics. I was like, "Yo, pastor, what make what make your pastor think to send you a dick pic?" I don't know. But then it seems I'm like, is this just like a general men do dumb shit? Because it's like you send somebody in your congregation a dick pic. One men send dick pics without nobody, like nobody asks for that all the time. But it's like you just send one. Like you, at some point, did you think that she was going to be interested in you? Because I, I just can't see myself in a position like being the leader of a church and getting down like that but it happens so frequently i mean this is not the first time this might be the first time we didn't had a actual video Video. situation but i mean we've heard about pastors i mean you talk about the the bishop eddie longs you're talking about the jamal bryant's Mm -hmm. like pastors are just and those are just the well-known ones i mean if you ask anybody from any of a smaller town in the south oh yeah pastors church drama i mean there's tons of it But here's the difference. Here's the thing. People always, and I remember, I'm not going to mention, you know, we we ain't trying to get no lawsuits on the C-Dub show. But there's a a pastor of a mega church that I used to attend. And the rule, there's a couple of rules. Number one, women were not allowed to sit on the front pew because apparently women had sat on the front pew before and they'd be opening their legs and stuff in front of the pastor. Um, the pastor had a bodyguard, not because, you know, the rapture was coming, but because apparently women was sneaking up to his hotel room and stuff when he was, you know, out on outgoing engagements. And there's always this assumption that it's always women chasing after the pastors. No, no. I think women, I mean, men, uh, pastors be chasing all the time, all the time. And then women, women could say women could be chasing them. Mm-hmm. Just putting your foot down and being like, no. Right. I'm the pastor. I mean, I'm here to like, save you. 
not speaking tongues with your pussy. And then, (laughs) because the thing is, ain't nobody fast enough for somebody who don't want to get caught. So, like, so he could, you could chase after me all day. If I don't want your ass, I will not get caught. Well, that's it. I, I, some other things that we need to discuss in regards to Pastor Wilson. So, after the shock and awe of the fact that mm-hmm. this somebody passer is out here eating booty on nah, video, nah, 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 you nah, know, nah. you know, what we have to do next. We now have to critique <laughs> his <laughs> his technique. I mean, it. I said, you know. A lot of us lesbians, you know, we don't want. Oh yeah, we was the first ones to critique. Like, oh no, mm-hmm. but I, I was different because I said, you know what, y'all, he old. You know what I'm saying? He. That's what would surprise me the most. As a now, I ain't never messed with no old man before. So everybody who I've messed with has been within a three, a three year range, either younger or older. So. I haven't messed with no old ass man. I was surprised he ate the booty because yeah. that's a young, that's a young nigga type of move. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've been told. You know, y'all know that follow me in the interwebs how much I love cougars. And what I've heard in the streets is that it's hard to find a, a good old man that's gonna really just eat it good just get up in it and eat and he was up in it i mean the tongue i mean it wasn't moving as fast as you know and Uh-oh. it was a little bit somebody said infantile looked like look i mean it looked like he had a lot of tongue he just couldn't get it all out i don't know it was a lot going on but now the he did he pull had a long tongue he did have a very he had a thick that was a nice looking tongue i will say that he he did pull one vet move now everybody know but maybe not you courtney because you don't partake in this kind of stuff or maybe someone has done this to you before. But, you know, when you get tired, but you know that you still got to keep working, that's when you lay your head to the side over on her, <laughs> on, on her side. <laughs> but you still keep working. Working. Mm. You got to keep working. Like what they say in, in the song, building up your timber. Oh, no, I should not. I should not be quoting gospel Do songs. not be referencing no gospel <laughs> lyrics. At this time, we are already on God's watch list. <laughs> we ain't on the watch list. I, I mean, I say, listen, if the pastor can speak it, I, you know, I love church women. I'm looking for me a good church lady to speak in tongues with. Um, you can email me <laughs> at carolynrysinger at gmail dot com. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, God is correct, Courtney. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Like, now, see, me being, now, I haven't had a, a, a woman-on-woman experience where that has taken place. So I've been the receiver of such activity. And I'm like, you know, that's, um, he did a pretty okay job. I was... I will say this. I was in the bathroom at work and my jaw dropped because (laughs) I did not, I don't know what I thought I was going to see, but I didn't know I was going to see it from that angle. Yeah. And you would just see like the full vagina and his tongue and the booty eating. And I was like, oh my God. Like, cause he was, it was older. And I, I, like I said, I haven't had an experience with an, with an older man. So with the younger men, they're not um, shy about that. I know 
some men who they're the same age as us, you know, some men are just weird about booty eating. Some are not. So shout out to those who are not. Right. I was just, because you know, older. And I think, I don't know if it's so much that older men don't eat pussy because obviously they do. And I, I think it's like a, they do do it. They just don't talk about it type of thing. Well, I think it's like, again, you know, from what I've heard in them Cougar streets, um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it is, well, not to say that they, they never did. I'm sure they did before when we were in high school in the nineties, it was like, Oh, boo, you do what you put your mouth on what, but I feel like a lot of older men, you know, as someone put it to me once they, they can't really get as hard as they used to. They can't really get as thick as they used to. And they found this to be a, a very good way to keep a woman satisfied. And they also got to keep up with the young boys. Because these cougars is out here with these young boys. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. So they got to keep up. Girl. So. so. Well, I guess that's enough on, on Pastor Wilson. The moral of the story is... Really, stop videotaping yourself and stop letting other. I know it. You know, I know it's enticing. You want to look back. You want to watch. You want to have pictures. Don't do it. Just stop right now. Because Black Twitter will get a hold of it. The issue is, if you go on videotape, it needs to be on your phone. You need to have access to it at all times. You can't be letting people record shit with their own phone and think. Cause that's that's what I'm talking about. Where it's like, are men just doing dumb shit on purpose? Because it seems like one, you wouldn't have let her record you because he looks up at the camera. Yes. So he sees her holding the phone. Yes, he knows that angle that she was in. That was obviously like that was. I can tell you that was directly on top of right below her breast. Right. Sitting on so top of like her belly. See the phone. Hmm. So you knew that was happening, so either you just wasn't tripping, or because I, I, on some level, think when people do shit like that, that they're trying to get caught. You think? Because why would you let her do that? I mean, there was the case of the two guys who um, the the dude gave the one man head in his daddy's church. Oh, he was definitely trying to, to uh, he was trying to get that dude caught because he had the, the camera. He made the dude look up at him. He panned around the church to let y'all make sure y'all knew that not only was they in a church, they was in his daddy's church. And he kept saying, oh, you in your daddy's church, you and your dad. Let's talk. Let's talk about Christians. I mean, Christians can have sex, clearly, because I'm a Christian. And I love to have sex. Um, but, yeah, he was trying to get caught in the church. He was trying to get that boy caught. And it's like, do you think this is somehow never going to come out? And then even, like, what if somebody gets their phone took? Then what? It's like... And it's in a cloud somewhere. It's yeah. in a cloud. So, I mean, you know how all this could be solved. You know how this could all be solved, Courtney? If we just stop worrying about who people fuck with? No, that's actually not. That's a good one, but not that. Um, If we went opposed to what Erica Campbell told us to do and just all just start only masturbating because she don't want us to masturbate. She said that's against God. So, she needs to talk to her husband about keeping his dick to herself because oh! she worried about me touching my own pussy. But okay. <laughs> oh, well, this is true. 
You are, and clearly she's not good at masturbating because masturbating is from God. God created it. And but it's like, damn, I can't touch. Like, what? What kind of silly ass ministry taught you that? You so like, you can't, can't have sex with nobody, and you can't touch yourself. That's chastity because for that it ass. Seems like it seems like to keep you from busting it open on other people. It's like if you need some relief, you need to just handle that shit yourself, right? It seems like that would be so that you word. wouldn't, so you won't be fornicating. So am I right. supposed to fornicate, or am I supposed to touch myself? Which and am I just what? Yeah. Now I were, I do remember when we, when we were little and people would tell you that like there's a, what is the I don't remember what the verse is but they talk about if the if the hand offends thee cut it off. Yeah, I remember being taught that when I was little. I'm let me just say that as uh, there was a time when I had some hangups about masturbation because of that. So yeah, I'm glad I didn't catch that wave because uh, that's not uh that's not of the Lord. It's not. The Lord wants you to enjoy what he created. He created orgasms. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. So let's go on to the heavy topics of the day. And there's so many. So let me tell you, listeners, a lot of, especially these days, since life has gotten a bit busy and, you know, we're having to plan our episodes ahead of time. A couple of weeks ago, we set up an episode in the wake of the Botham John Amber Geiger um trial and we set up this episode which as you can see is called decolonizing forgiveness and since that trial since the day that we set up this episode all kind of shit then popped off we got so much stuff to to, to go over it's it's crazy so first we're gonna give a for those of you again who've been under a rock we'll give you a just a little little bit of background of what was the amber geiger case so the amber geiger case was the case of botham jane um, Amber Geiger was the Dallas police officer who quote unquote came home to her residence and found a mysterious figure and shot and killed the, the figure, which turned out to be Botham Jane in his own house. She was on the wrong fucking floor and not even at her own goddamn house. Shot him, killed him. Everyone's shocked. Oh, she's really going to trial. This is really going to happen. Justice for Botham Jane. And then we get the, the sentencing. And she is sentenced to a, first of all, she, she is convicted and everybody's like, oh my God, yes. And then she gets sentenced to 10 fucking years for murdering this man in his own house, standing there eating ice cream. And she gets 10 goddamn years, but it's not over. It does not stop there. After she is convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years, after speaking with and hugging the victim's parents, the judge, Tammy Kemp, returned to the courtroom with her personal Bible in hand. She gifted it to the officer and pointed to John 3.16, which this, if those of you that grew up in church is the basic scripture giving about salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know what that has to do with this woman shooting and killing Botham Jan in his own house. But that's what happened. Later on, Tammy Kemp did an interview and she claims that what happened is that when she went to hug Amber, Amber was so distraught about killing this man and she was going to live with it for the rest of her life. And did did she think that the Lord would forgive her? And that is when she decided to do her Christian duty and witness the love of God to Amber Geiger. 
Now, let me ask you, Courtney, because I didn't, I couldn't find it in any of the articles. <laughs> did did the hair stroke from the bailiff happen before or after the hug from that happened right after the conviction, right? No, that happened. I think before they were actually doing the sentencing. Because um, she was, you know, just distraught. I'm, I, I'm just, you know, I, and I have posted this on on my Facebook. So some of y'all uh, that follow me might recall this. It's like everyone, like say, say all this really just was a really horrible accident. Crazy shit. Okay, we'll go sit down, Caleb. Um, some, some things, crazy shit happens, right? Crazy shit happens. Let's just say this all was one big horrifying accident. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that for argument's sake. She feels horrible. Rightfully so. My whole thing is like, what? If you think she feels horrible, how do you think her mama feels? Right. Like daddy over here talking about he wanted to make me friends with her one day and all the shit. But I'm like, if anybody wants to hug anybody, how do you not want to hug his mother? Like, I and it's, this ain't no, I'm not trying to, you know, rank parenting. You know, everyone has their own connections to their children, whether you give birth to them biologically whether you adopt them, whether you're the, the mother, the father, whomever, you have a connection to your children. And knowing how I feel about my children is when you lose your children, it, it really, I've seen people who've lost their children, even through natural causes. And it really unearths your spirit, mm-hmm. I feel like. And I feel like there's ways for you to, in theory, heal and find a way to function through that pain. But I feel like there's nothing that can ever really be done to take that pain away. You just learn to live with it. So me looking at it from his mother's point of view and her, the mother's feelings, rightful feelings about, you know, Dallas PD covering it up, her not believing this woman's story, um, her really feeling like this is a departmental issue, all of this type of stuff. I feel like where is the grace? Where's the hair stroking? Where's the hugging for his mother? Where is that? If y'all need a woman to, to fawn all over, why aren't you doing that for his mother? Cause no one has ever given, I mean, they never do when it comes to, you know, black folks being murdered. I mean, either they're either they are victim blaming the victim, or they are villainizing the family. And even in a case where a man is literally standing in his own home eating ice cream, they will find a way to at least make you feel villainized. Because to me, that's what it makes it feel like. Feels like you're saying that I'm not worth the grace. I'm not worth the care or the emotion. To me, anyway. Because it's like at the end of the day, okay, she gonna go to jail for maybe five. I'd be surprised if she, if she even, even stayed in there right. for three. Right. I'd be surprised if it was more than three. To be honest, because did they say when but she's up for probation in five years? So I'd be there. surprised if she was even gonna be in there for three. But to think about how you, as a parent, have to go on living the rest of your life without your child like I know one day 
I'm not going to be here and my kids will lay me to rest. But that's the natural order of things that I will grow old and my children will then bury me. Burying your children is not natural. That is not the natural order of life to have to bury your kids. And like I said, things happen. Life happens. Sometimes people get ill. Sometimes there are accidents. But the fact that there has been no grace, no no showering of love and emotion to this man's mother is just highly it infuriates me because if, if like, you go look at her as another black woman yeah. who lost her child and you don't feel inclined as a black woman to ask another black woman how are you doing how can i support you through this because if you're gonna break like an said, ethical boundary it's a full accident yeah if you're gonna break an ethical ethical boundary like wouldn't you wouldn't you we talk about all this sister talk wouldn't you break that ethical boundary for someone who shares your your same identity who who could be you if you have kids that's why i'm like how can you as another black woman as another black mother look another black woman in her face and not show her the same grace you didn't show for this hoe and yeah she's a hoe because all she, her ass was doing that's why i don't believe for one fucking second it was the accident your hoe ass was so drunk and or high and busy texting your married co-worker you don't know what fucking floor you want because you so busy trying to set up a dick appointment with a married man yep. and then you shoot a man in his own house yep. like that's yep. what happened yeah, it was an accident because your whole ass was so busy trying to run up behind a married ass man, bitch. That's what happened. I'm not always so, looking for slut shaming, but in this case, I feel like it's free reign to slut shame because it, it resulted in you murdering someone. But and, my whole thing is like you fucking around with a married man. If she was just talking to her boyfriend, whatever, your whole ass had probably been out drinking, doing God knows whatever. And that's why they took three days to test her ass because they knew she was probably using something. So she was a fucking using on the job. Because she had just got off work. So your ass can't get that damn drunk in an hour unless you've probably been drinking for a few hours or using whatever for a few hours. Then you over here chasing some married dick and don't know what floor you want. But okay. Okay. None of it rings true. None of it rings true at all. And I and the other thing that in which is resulted in the 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 title of this episode. We really, really, really have to talk about black folks, especially black church folks, because this is definitely a deeply religious, um, a deeply religious judge and a deeply religious family. in I mean, in Texas, there's a lot of deeply religious black folks in Texas. Um, so we talked about the, the judge who gave her the Bible and gave her the, the hug, said she was doing, you know, she's being Christ like, um, but we also had the family. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated because you don't necessarily want to police a family's response, a trauma response to the, the death of a loved one. But it just felt incredibly uneasy. First, you had the 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 brother who did the what do they call it? The victim or the family, the family statement for the right. sentencing. And mm -hmm. in, the, in the family state, statement, he talks about how he doesn't think his brother would want her to, would, would be mad at her, and that he forgives her. And then you have the daddy who, I don't, this was not in court, I don't know if this was in an interview later. You have the daddy who talks about how he wants to be her friend. He did a, 
So then he's a pastor. So I think that also oh, goes Lord, I didn't know that. to say he's a pastor. He and he was no, actually. He ain't no Pastor Wilson. Girl. <laughs> Dude, he might be. He, he might be. The way he just so jump into just forgive somebody. So he was, uh, he's a pastor and they're from St. Lucia. So they're actually not from the United States, mm. which um, I've heard, and I don't know if I'm leaning on, are we try to be as politically correct and respectful as we can be given identities and backgrounds. But I will say this, I have numerous friends who are either from the islands or they have family from the islands or they've dealt intimately with folks from the islands and apparently really engaging in anti-blackness and white supremacy is a, is a kind of a common issue. Yes. So I think I heard that. I don't know if that's true. I haven't experienced that personally outside of seeing this family, but I will say this, I will, I will say that. And so him being having that type of background, plus him being a pastor, he sat up on the pulpit talking about hopefully one day he could be friends with her. And I absolutely lost my shit. <laughs> and see, the thing about it that 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 kills it and the reason why we talk about decolonizing forgiveness is because all of this is being done under the under the guise of being Christ like. So we got to talk about this idea of being Christ like um, somewhere. There was a conversation where. Well, first of all, this this brought about a lot of arguments amongst black people. I mean, you have black Christians talking about how people not accepting them, forgiving her because the world's going to hell and ain't no love in the world. We we should be happy that they are being Christ-like. And they're really digging in on this. They're really digging mm-hmm. in on the fact that the Bible is the one that tells you how you are supposed to give and who are you supposed to give. And it's like, do we forget that the Bible was actually used to teach you to forgive your slave masters? Like, like there's a reason why I was set up like that. What do you think when you think about that, that idea of decolonizing forgiveness? Because forgiveness is definitely a, it is definitely a real thing. But a lot of the ways that we espouse it, uh, when we when we tell people things like forgiveness is not for them, forgiveness is for you. But we use we weaponize um, these type of ideas around around forgiveness. We do, and and I always feel like my issue with. My experience with people always stressing forgiveness outside of it being utilized how uh, white supremacy-based Christianity has been weaponized against Black people. What I have always seen and what I've seen throughout my own life is that forgiveness was always weaponized against me as a Black woman from people who I had toxic relationships with. Mm -hmm. And that would either be men I was involved with or family members who I had toxic relationships with where it's why can't we just forgive and move on they were asking me to ignore their actual wrongdoing without them earning forgiveness because like I said in my post I'm not God it is not my fucking job to love you unconditionally Mm -hmm. and forgive your ass you have to earn that from me and if that makes me less of a Christian or less Christ-like, I'll take that up with God. Well, well if you thing- can explain to me why I needed to forgive your ass after you disrespecting me, one of his children, and not just taking your word for it after not showing me any type of resolve, any type of movement towards being a person who deserves forgiveness. 
Well, and then you got to think about it like this when we, we always return back to that, that biblical base. And I've had people tell me this about toxic, toxic people who I've cut out of my life or people who I had disagreements with, people who mistreated me. Well, you know, you can't get to heaven if you don't forgive. You can't, you know, you can't, pro you can't progress. God can't bless you if you don't forgive. And it, and to me, when I hear that, I'm thinking about, once again, the ways that black folks were taught this when we were, when we were given the Bible. And this is coming from somebody like, I have to remind you audience, if you, if you haven't been listening to this show for a long time, I love the Lord. I, I am saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, one baptized, even though, you know, I'll be doing a little bit of smoking, a little bit of drinking, a lot of sexting. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm Baptist. We do that kind of shit. But, but the way that the, the ways that we were taught forgiveness and who we were supposed that's the other thing is who we were supposed to give it kind of goes hand in hand about when you talked about who gets grace also who gets forgiveness right because i would be willing to bet um the judge she was on an, uh, i don't know if it was good morning america where she did that interview and she talked about how if this would have been a black woman she would not have gotten the same blowback but you probably have never come the thing about black Girl. judges and black black lawyers they love 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 to teach black folks in the system a lesson they love to get them a black man in front of the bench and tell them him about how they're going to give him this sentence to help him change his life because what he did was wrong. And all, probably all he did was smoke some weed, which is now legal. Uh, now everybody's making money off of it. But I know she ain't never got off the bench. I want to see the, I want to see the receipts. When has she ever got off the bench again for a black person, for a black man, for a black woman? She has not. She has not. <laughs> has not, has never, will never. Right. So like don't so like don't play me. It's, it's, if it had been a black woman, I wouldn't have bitch, you wanna hug you, a black woman. You wouldn't woman. have did it. You wouldn't you have wouldn't did even it. did it. So this is a non-issue. What you did was ethically disgusting and completely inappropriate. As a judge, you're supposed to be impartial and you over here hugging a bitch. Now I can understand. Now I've seen um videos and such of judges in like th places like family court mm -hmm. hugging minors who yeah. you know have maybe made strides and like the judge has been front and present with their trial or their case what have you for years and they are proud of that child for you know getting through whatever challenges they went through. I can understand that just coming from like your trial is over. I'm actually proud of you. I wish you the absolute best, all of that. But just it's, it's coming from a different, yeah. it's coming from a different uh, point of view and it's coming from a different place in your heart. It's just, I'm just this fawning all over this woman who shot this man in his, in his house, house. <laughs> it's just weird because it's like say like i said say it really just was an accident bitch it's still fucking weird your story's weird all this shit is weird and it just doesn't make any fucking sense and i don't even i just don't understand this overwhelming amount of fucking sympathy for the bitch i just don't like this shit is weird you niggas are weird i don't understand i mean people cry in courtrooms all the time, all the time. <laughs> guilty parties cry in. so what was it about this woman and this is clearly purely a rhetorical question what was it about this woman and i think i honestly think that 
it was the component of racism. It was them having quote unquote sympathy for the fact that she's being painted as a racist. She's not a, but she get, wasn't there a, a story about, didn't it come out that she had like sent racist text messages and stuff before? She's uh, been on Pinterest posting some really questionable blue lives matter type of shit. Some real questionable racist shit against people of color, against immigrants, uh, uh, immigrants of Mexican descent. So it wasn't like she was just some innocent broad. And then of course there, it didn't come out until later. You know, there's actually a video that uh, a neighbor took. And I know once we get into Joshua's murder, we'll talk about that. But there was a video that one of the other neighbors took and, and that young woman has been really going through it as well. Um, and you can hear Botham apparently on the tape asking her, why did you shoot me? Mm. So he, it wasn't like he was just shot dead immediately. He was no. alive after and, he was shot. And, and she didn't do anything. Yeah. she didn't, and, and her big thing was, I'm going to get fired. Bitch, you killed you somebody. You killed somebody. Like, that's your biggest thing? My biggest so, fear would be, oh my God, I fucking killed somebody. So wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So that brings another question that's been, you know, or was going around the internet, another rhetorical question, but, you know, something that we try to dig into. Not just the idea of forgiveness being Christ-like, but the uh, the idea that black people are always expected to forgive white racists. Mm-hmm. Even when they have not really shown, they show a level of remorse, but it's not remorse for what for who they have harmed it's more remorse for themselves that they got caught they got that caught. they go into jail why do we need to be the one to free well first of all why are they asking who asked somebody for, i've been racist toward you i murdered you but forgive me number two why do we need to forgive you what is it what is that need to forgive white racists or why do we feel we need to forgive white racists and i'll, I'll say from what i can tell is that people feel the need to forgive white racism because for some reason we need to prove that we are better than them through our actions mm. of grace, through our, you know, like I, I'm, you know, they're beneath me and I'm above this. Wait, you I'm mean, you them. mean when they go low, we go high? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Stan Michelle for even saying that. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Hey. That was the worst shit because cause they will, when they go low, we go high you to death. Yeah. And people do not, sometimes when a nigga goes low, you need to knock his ass out so he stays down. Right. Like, that's what you need or to do Or you need to sometimes. knock his ass out so that he know that if he do it again, you're going to knock his ass out again. Right. And it's going to be lights out for a long time. Like you, we don't have to. But we the only people that say that shit. Like we are, there's so much, there's so much burden that we are expected to carry all the time. We are always expected to be the one to bow our heads. We are always expected to be the one that are, that shows humility. We are the, always supposed to be the ones that show grace and we never receive any, of, we don't receive the grace. We don't receive the forgiveness. We don't receive any of that. 
And and the fact that Dallas P not just not just the judge and not just the bailiff, the fact that as we go into not just the Amber case, but also as we go into Joshua Brown, and we need to talk about that so people can who've been under a rock will know what we're talking about when we, talk, when we say it. But the fact that they are continuing to also use black faces as the face of this madness. They got black people on the TV t- giving their excuses. Black people on the TV who are really trying to basically non-verbally communicate to black people that we need to be humble about this. We need to be forgiving in regards to this. Um, is offensive. Girl? Offensive as fuck. That, that's just... Let me... Okay, Courtney, I'm going to walk across the room and you are going to tell folks who Joshua Brown is and what happened to him, okay? All right. So, listeners... Uh, Joshua Brown, um, he was a neighbor of Botham's at the night of his murder. Uh, he lived directly across the hall from him, and he was a witness for the prosecution as he described what he had heard. Now, what Joshua said he heard uh, completely contradicted what Amber claimed she had said, which included she the door was uh, a jar she went in um yelling demands for him to put his hands up and to uh, identify himself um joshua had described how he would sometimes leave for work and he could hear botham inside his own apartment singing gospel music um which would imply that he had uh the acoustics that he was privy to he would have been able to hear if someone was yelling demands for someone to identify themselves or to get down or what have you. He would have been able to hear that. Mm. And he didn't hear any of what she claimed she had said before she shot him. Um, so about a few days after um, Amber's sentencing, uh, Joshua was shot dead in front of his apartment complex since the murder he has uh, moved for where, from where they all were living originally when this took place. Um, But what had happened was he was um, outside in his parking lot and he was shot in the face and in the chest and died instantly at the scene. And what has been alleged is that this was a drug deal (laughs) gone bad. That Joshua was somehow a marijuana kingpin out there. Do they still have marijuana kingpin? (laughs) so, So apparently three suspects drove from Louisiana. Now, uh, Carolyn, you lived in the South. Yes. And um, they said the gentleman drove from Shreveport, which is apparently, if you ask folks from out that way, that's about a three and a half hour drive. I believe it's, it's farther than it's got to be because Shreveport is, Shreveport is past, so I'm from DeRitter, Louisiana, and I believe that Shreveport is past DeRitter. DeRitter is five hours from da- from Dallas. So, so maybe it might have not been Shreveport. It might have been New Orleans then? Yeah, that's What's actually further? even farther. Okay, so then it was somewhere more west. Yeah, but because... where they was coming from, it was three and... A, they were coming from Louisiana, the city that they was coming from. It was a three and a half hour drive to Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, 
everyone through who's ever thick. not weed before. <laughs> let, let's, let, let, let me, you know, as Courtney said, I'm from Louisiana. And when I go to Louisiana, I fly into Houston because that's the nearest major airport. And there's there's times of the day that you don't drive that drive because there are still sundown towns in, in Louisiana and Texas. Why the hell would you drive through the sticks of Louisiana and Texas, possibly encountering the Klan and any other crazy white people? Because, I mean, they're killing people in their houses now to get some weed. Weed, though. <laughs> some weed. <laughs> To get some so, weed. <laughs> Joshua, the, the weed kingpin, had some people driving out for three and a half hours to meet them at 10 o'clock at night. The drug deal went quote unquote bad. So they shot him, left the weed, and about $4,100 in his apartment. Also, you know, I'm not, I don't deal drugs and never dealt drugs, but what I know about drugs is that. <laughs> First of all, you don't deal outside your house. Right. What, what I do know <laughs> is that you're not bringing that shit to your house. First yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> no one shoots you off of a drug deal gone bad and then leave the weed and money. That doesn't happen. They do that in movies written and produced by white people. Like, look, I've seen enough episodes of Empire and Power to know that just doesn't happen. I've seen New Jack City. <laughs> Listen, the, the idea that, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. Once again, also about when I lived in Louisiana. When I was little, I was about, let's see, this happened when Motown 25 came out. Listeners, you know I love that show. It came out in 1982. So I was about four, maybe. Um, my mom and my daddy was breaking up and one day we came home and the VCR was gone. Uh oh. Um, and my daddy tried to say that somebody broke in the house. Now my daddy's a musician, y'all. My daddy didn't spend money on a lot of things, but he spent lots of money on equipment. You wanted us to believe that they broke into that house and only took a VCR, sir. <laughs> And that's how I feel. So they left the weed. They left the money. They just shot him and left? Nah. That's it. And then one woman, one woman on Twitter pointed out, like, so y'all bought weed from somebody you just seen on court TV? Yeah, yeah, yes! <laughs> like, oh, let me go buy that. Maybe maybe that's why they drove from DeRitter. It's celebrity weed. Not DeRitter, I'm sorry, Louisiana. It's celebrity weed. We're going to go buy some weed from that nigga that we just seen on court. So, of course, anybody who has a lick of sense <laughs> knows that this is a damn lie. And that set up. He was more than now, you know, because black for my, my black senses is tingling. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's anybody can figure that. This is a hit from the police. Mm -hmm. It's it's well known that Amber's going to file an appeal. Yes. Which came out the day after Joshua was murdered. Just coincidentally, the next day they started talking about filing an appeal. So he's now no longer will be able to be utilized as a witness. I don't know. From my understanding, though, if someone, because people pass away, people do. But to, I thought 
and maybe this might just be in California. I thought if a witness passes away, you can then use their original testimony from the first trial because, you know, they record everything that they could use his original testimony in uh, the prosecution can use it against her in the appeal. I thought that they could. That's what I heard. Because to me, it's like. If y'all was going to kill him, you should have killed him before he was able to testify. Because those words that he said are always going to be on tape. Yeah. They're always going to be, there's always going to be a transcript of what he said. But maybe it wasn't so much trying to prevent him. It was revenge for him even speaking up in the first place. Well, they that's one thing that they said. Someone said that he feared for his life the whole time the, tri- the trial was going on. Exactly. And then it came out that he was, I mean, we've all watched Law and Order, SVU, and all that kind of, they claimed that he was coerced into ever even testifying. That they said that he was threatened with being put in jail. I don't think that they ever disclosed. I guess they're maybe they were saying he's being put in jail because <laughs> he's a marijuana kingpin. Um, but that he was coerced into to testifying and that he never did. And with so many things going on, it starts to feel like I mean, if if he's people when when black folks say certain things and who was that? Was that Amber? Um, our good friend Amber Butts, friend of the show, wrote an article about black conspiracy theories about how they're not necessarily always true but they're not out of the realm of possibility they're not unfounded yeah they're not out of the realm of possibility if this man is going around saying he's fearing for his life i mean if he first of all look courtney we once again we watch the shy we watch uh power we watch what else new jack city we watch all these shows even the old the, the italian gangster movies if you are a kingpin you always got a henchman somewhere who's willing to die for you, who's protecting you, who always got the strap and all that kind of stuff. So you mean to tell me that this marijuana kingpin was fair? It was scared for his life, <laughs> and he just still kicking it right. and, and easily accessible. And girl, if y'all don't shut up, so. I, but then that that also sullies his character if they were going to use his words in appeal i have heard that mm, that makes sense. him being painted as a drug dealer who and you know they'll, they'll try to say that um you know he, he cut a deal with the prosecutors they uh found out that he lived in the same apartment and they had caught him up on something and it's like, well, if you pro- if if you go up against her, we'll you know give you immunity for some other charges or some shit. You know what I'm saying? So there there's all types of this shit ain't making no sense. Also, the young woman I mentioned earlier, I do not know her name, and act- actually at this point, don't even want to repeat it if I did know it because she also is in fear of her life. She recorded the aftermath of. Botham being killed and that's the video in which you can hear him saying why did you shoot me and there was some conversation between he and Amber um she wasn't giving him CPR she um the 911 call she's more concerned about how this is going to affect her career she had very little concern about the man who's bleeding on his own floor. So she's also, she's been fired from her job. 
And she also, um, she says she fears for her life as well. And so the two black people who have gone up against essentially Dallas PD, because this is what this really is, feel, um, well, Joshua is no longer here with us, but she's also very scared for her life and has been fired from her job because her involvement with the, the trial coming forward with the video. So, you know, forgiveness. Right. So we got we to forgive. We got to forgive because the Lord say. But the nobody, the, the, it's funny because the same Lord isn't trying to protect these people whose lives are being threatened. Mm. But you know, but we need to forgive as people who are even connected to the trial are being harassed and fired and, and murdered. Black but, Jesus. You know, the one that looked like Ned the Wino, Black Jesus. He's not pleased. Cause I believe in black I believe in black Jesus. I don't know about this other this other white Jesus who telling these Negroes to be out here forgiving and 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 it's 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 so complicated because it and that's why again we say decolonizing forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is something that we should all partake in. But this right here is not this is this is something all the way sinister and different. This is something that we have been taught and trained since, so again, since the slavery days, since the, the Jim Crow days. This is a lot of this is when we talk about the differences even between, you know, our the civil rights movements of the, the, the 50s and the 60s versus, you know, the movements that we have now. And, uh, and I hate having that conversation because it also makes it feel like we're saying that our, our forefathers um, were were being passive but there was there was also a level of that when they go low we go high type shit as well and we, and we have to figure out ways to acknowledge that and break that down as well right um, absolutely because you know passive re resistance is great it has its place but we do know that there are people who look down on even the way that we resist because they were taught that they were being passive because that's what the Lord wanted to do. The, no, the Lord don't want you fighting back when the, you know, the white man put ketchup in your hair and on your dress. And when he pushed you out of school, that's not what the Lord wants. No, it's, it's very difficult to untangle, in my opinion. But before we could even process fully Joshua's murder, child, next door, literally next door, y'all, in Fort Worth. The town over. Uh, the town. I mean, think about it. the 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 airport is a Dallas Dallas Fort Worth, the Dallas Fort right. Worth area. These are all, these folks is all connected. So, and I'm gonna let you kind of tell this story too because we we neither one of us really believe the story. But apparently, this man calls the police allegedly for a welfare check for his neighbor because he said the door was open. The, the 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 full the hard door was open but the screen door was closed and the lights was on and it was two o'clock in the morning and he was worried about her safety so apparently he calls the police now i haven't watched the video because i'm i've internalized so much black death i cannot but apparently the police come and this is where it gets confusing for me they searched the perimeter and then they saw a figure in the window and then they shot a tatiana jefferson is that what happened allegedly so yeah, they saw her figure in the window. Um, and so just to give context, so Atiana 
she uh, was watching her eight-year-old nephew. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, the homeowner or the the primary homeowner, the primary person who lives there was the young boy's either mother or grandmother. And she had been dealing with some some health issues and had been in the hospital. So um, they never said why and actually don't. It don't even really matter. Uh, Atiana and her nephew were up at two o'clock in the morning. They were playing video games. It was because they're in their house and they can do that. Right. Because some people are like, why was he even up? And it's like, do it fucking matter? You can be up at whatever time you fucking want to in your own fucking house, first of all. Right. But so the across the street neighbor, uh, James Smith, said he knew the uh, primary uh, resident had been ill and that he saw the door open. Now, mind you, keep in mind, because Carolyn and I are going to talk about my feelings about this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand my feelings because I want to understand them. But keep in mind, he said the front door was open. Uh, they did have a screen door and people from the area have been discussing online that it was unseasonably warm that night. Mm-hmm. So um, having your front door open and your screen door closed in the South is a That's, common thing. You sleep with the front door open and the screen door closed when it's hot. So, so, <laughs> Cause so, but uh, neighbor James said that was odd for him, or it was not normal. So he uh, said that he called uh, to do a welfare check to make sure that everything was okay in the house. Um, the police then arrived. Uh, also, back you know, we don't know what was actually dispatched out to the police. Mm-hmm. Um, but it from what has come out now, it was called in as an open structure call because neighbor James said that the front door was open. So it's an open structure call. So And that's different than a welfare check, right? That is absolutely different than a welfare okay. check. That's not a welfare check. That is an open structure call. So we don't know it's not necessarily a burglary. That's what I've been told. It's not doesn't necessarily mean a burglary. It just means an open somebody might have rushed out and forgot to close the door. Um, somebody might have came into the house and passed out so and didn't get to close the door. So it's an open structure call. Okay. So that also this is, doesn't necessarily mean that anyone is necessarily in danger either. So the police arrive to the property and they enter through the back gate. They didn't enter through the front door. There's a side gate that led to the backyard. According to uh, the young man that was in the house with Tatiana was that she heard them opening up the gate and walking through. She grabbed her rightfully registered gun Mm -hmm. and was approaching the window to see what was going on. The officer does not identify himself as police. He just says, freeze, stop right there and 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 shoot the window shooting and killing Asatiana. There's so many folks, there's so many holes to this and just to let y'all know, you know, me and Willis and Courtney, we talk about these things offline because the world's so fucking hard. I mean, we just processing death on top of death and on top of just regular, I mean like like I said a couple of weeks ago, my grandfather had passed away and it seemed like we can't get a break with and the, with these deaths and so much of this don't make sense. 
Like, neighbor James, why the fuck were you up at 2 o'clock in the morning worrying about her door being open? That's my first in question. And so, uh, <laughs> so uh, bringing back my concerns about why the police were even called in the first place, I had wrote a post about how us as Black people, sometimes there's anti-Blackness within us and that will affect how we maneuver with one another. Uh-huh. Now, I have real deep personal feelings about him. I feel like his ass was being nosy. Let me just stop tiptoeing. Yeah. I feel like his ass was being nosy. Yeah. Because to me, one, what the fuck was your ass doing up at 2 o'clock in the morning worrying about their house, first yeah. and foremost? And- Secondly, he said he walked over there, but he didn't see anybody inside. But then also, what did you not see? You didn't see signs of a struggle. You didn't see signs of burglary. And the fact that they were there, I don't know Tatiana's situation, but she was a a student. She worked. I'm assuming she possibly had a car. Um, You didn't see a vehicle outside. It's just like, what was you so worried about? And I think I, I have internalized a lot of this story because as we all know, I'm expecting a baby one of the symptoms I have is insomnia. And so Caleb and I recently moved a couple of months ago. He is sleeping in his own room for the first time. He wakes up to go to the bathroom sometimes and will be up and want to talk. Sometimes I will be up because I just can't sleep. And sometimes I'll be up having a hot flash. I will open up my back patio screen door to be trying to cool down. Mm-hmm. So there's numerous reasons outside of no one's in that. It's a dangerous situation that somebody could be up at two okay. o'clock in the morning. Well, you the know, what the, is you don't know them and you don't know what's what going they got on. going on. Well, one of the things, and it's so funny that you would talk about, you know, the reason why it has triggered you. I don't know. Have you had a chance to watch that show? It's a new show on Netflix called Raising Dion. I have not, but it's, people saying it's pretty good it's a really really good show it's a story about a a single mother and her son who turned out to have superpowers um and her her husband who was played by michael b jordan oh lord michael b jordan um has passed away and all this kind of stuff but one of the things that happens on that show is that she moves into this um apartment complex and she's constantly getting harassed by the old man who is the building super. Like, he just harasses her for no reason other than, basically, it looks like he harasses all the single mothers. There's two single mothers. He harasses her more because she's a little bit more unsteady. I mean, she just lost her husband. Um, He doesn't harass the other one as much because she has an older son who's able to take up for his mother all the time. But you have this concept of older men who their version of shaming sing and Tatiana was not a single mother, but I think she did have a, a, a not necessarily custody, but a lot of, she took care of her nephew a lot to the mm-hmm. point of something similar to custody. She was very involved in his life. Um, and she was always there taking care of him. So to me, there's a level of shame involved when you talk about him being nosy, like, what is she over there doing with that little boy, not liking whatever it is that he's doing? I feel like at some point he's probably complained about them about being loud or something. I don't, I mean, I haven't paid enough attention to the case to know the layout of their building and everything. But it seems. Well, they're in houses. So they're, oh. they're in single family homes. 
So it feels like he's probably to me. It felt like he complained to the police. I mean, I now I know that they're talking about it was an open structure, but I felt for a long time that he had complained. And then when she got shot by the police, it was easier for him to say that he called for a welfare check than to admit that he just simply called to complain about this girl and this boy. But they're right. saying it was an open structure case or whatever. But then, and then that was my whole point because I've been getting a lot of black backlash from folks online um not so much from not every not backlash where it's like i'm being called names or what have you Mm -hmm. but folks are extending grace to him and i'm not really understanding why because for me it's like why was you up watching you know he never explained why he was up any goddamn way so for me it's like well if you're up at two o'clock in the morning where you're looking across the street at somebody else's fucking house, well, why can't they be up? And also mentioning that the primary uh, resident, um, again, I'm not sure who the, uh, Tatiana's, either it was her sister or her, um, or her aunt, and then the young boy is the child of the woman who was in the hospital. It's, his, his primary caretaker is ill. You don't know if he's having bad dreams, if maybe they had just came from visiting her and he was having issues settling down. It's like there's a million of reason, million and one reasons why a child might be up in the middle of the night. And maybe she was helped. Maybe he had a bad dream. It's like, hey, look, why don't we play video games, help you calm down? Or maybe they just wanted to stay up. That's what they meant. Maybe it was a free and night and they just wanted to be up. Right. It's just very odd to me that he decided without even really knowing them that it was odd for them to be up with the lights on. And also, as far as him being concerned about if it was a burglar, nigga, burglars don't break in the middle of the night and turn on all the lights? Who does that? Because there's this thing called a window. If the light is on, you can... It's back to that whole marijuana kingpin shit. But it's... It's just very weird to me that he was so concerned... But then he's not really explaining why. He, it also, let, let me back up before, because I, before I lose my train of thought with the welfare check portion. And it's like, we always, it's like people have to be mindful of what they say to the police. Because you saying that the doors open, when it wasn't the door, it was just the front door and the screen door was closed. One, you can't say it's an open structure call and the door is closed. That's not an open structure call. Right. Secondly, you can't say, well, I know that the primary resident has been in the hospital because that implies that there shouldn't be anybody home or that to your knowledge, nobody is home. So who would be home to open the door? That's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't from his own description, what he did not, what he called in was not a welfare check. He was worried about why the door was open. And to me, you're concerned about why the door was open. It, it's uh, You're just being nosy and paranoid. Now, was he necessarily trying to be malicious towards Atasiana and her nephew? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to be mindful as neighbors how we interact with one another. If you're so concerned, you need to take the time to actually go investigate before you call the police because this is not the first time. It's good, good. This is not the first time a welfare check has resulted in somebody dying. Mm -hmm. This is actually a common issue where folks will call, either their loved one is having a mental health challenge or mental health episode, 
or maybe like there, uh, there's a, a heated argument be- between loved ones and it's like they just want the police to come and be like a mediator. They don't want nobody to get arrested. They don't, they just want, you know, your uncle and your dad and got into it and they just mommy, want... Mommy, can I have more chips with this guy? Yes, I will. I will. <laughs> and, and it's like people will call the police to either like try to help navigate the mental health episode or try to help mediate the argument and somebody gets fucking shot. And mm-hmm. this consistently happened. This happened when Caleb and I were living in San Diego, a gentleman in, in, in El Cajon, which is a small suburb outside of San Diego, not too far from. Courtney. Courtney, where'd you go? Well, I mean, a big thing for me is this idea of what, wait, where'd you go? Are you there? Say it again because you had cut out. They called to uh, have the police come and assist with the mental health episode. They said he was holding a weapon. It was actually a vape pen. And they shot him. Of course. And they they knew for a fact. It's like if if they if he would have had a weapon and they were scared, they would have said he had a weapon. Why did you think a vape pen was a gun? Why did you think that? And then there's been there there were issues. Um, I know this was another one that happened in the South. Uh, uh, an elder gentleman was having a mental health episode. He was at a barbecue with his family. He threw a chicken wing at one of the officers. They shot him for throwing a, a damn chicken bone. They shoot you during wellness checks. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, what was you actually, if you was concerned that they had rushed out to go to the hospital, why didn't why wouldn't you just keep an eye on the house? If you really thought that, if you really thought that. But this is, and and I think because to had this type of experience, older boomers, mm-hmm. black, white, they are weird about their neighborhoods. They are very weird. One thing seems out of place. Like I live with my grandma and I love her, but she didn't live in her house for 60 years. If she sees something quote unquote out of place, she feels some type of way. Mm-hmm. Now she never called the police, but they always just look at they always in some well, somebody doing something at their house. This is somebody else's fucking business. Courtney, you need to stay and wherever you, you was before because you keep cutting out. Business and think you, saw the you, you need to stay in whatever room you was in before because you keep cutting out. Stop going outside. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, the the alien that's what we say when I'm when I'm trying to call in to say something nice the aliens got you but you are making a very good point about the older boomers and their, their and their their relationship to stuff and their relationship to their neighborhoods and how they they you know for him calling for a wellness check was just standard it was like what he was supposed to do it was him being a good neighbor are you still gone right there you go. No, I'm so I'm here. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Yeah, it's just people are weird. 
about their neighborhoods. And well, well, also, you know, it's so funny. Once again, we talked about how this was right next door to Dallas. And I feel like all of this can still be tied in back to that judge. You know, we talk about the relationship, the relationship that boomers have with law and order versus our generation. And our, you know, the they're not saying that people of the boomers generation was not killed by the police or anything like that. But we are a lot more open about the fact that, you know, don't call the police. Don't call the police for no well check for me. Police kill people. For him as a boomer, you know, calling the police and actually depict. He, there was an interview that he did where he was like, if you can't call the police to keep you safe, who do you call? And it's like, mother, but what the fuck are you talking about? Like we've been knowing that. <laughs> and, and, and I think people people were really getting on me like, you're blaming him. And I'm like, I'm not blaming him for shooting her. That's completely on the police. But it's like, we have to, as black people living where we live with knowing how the police are, we have to be extra mindful of who we call, who we call. into our neighborhoods. Yeah. And not even, it, you know, it's with black folks, it's with queer people. I mean, I had a situation recently where I was driving down a street and I saw a homeless encampment that was going up in flames. And I really had a, I had a deep personal conflict because it's like, I mean, I need to call, you know, 911. But I knew that they was going to come in. You know, people don't want to see homeless people. They was going to come and they was going to clear out that. And that's what they did. They put out the fire and they cleared them all out. And I felt bad, like, should I have called the police? But I mean, you know, I'm sure it saved lives having somebody come put the fire out. But we have to think about that kind of stuff. Exactly. And I think it's the same thing with, with that judge. Her relationship with law... But it's still a little bit weird, though. I mean, it is about her relationship with law and order, but that ethical boundary that she crossed for this white girl is still... To me, I just keep seeing... I saw the thread that you were talking about where people were, were talking about blaming you or being mad at you, saying that you were blaming him. And it felt like the only reason they were extending any type of grace it, like if that I'm look I'm on the Tammy Kemp thing if that had been a white man that had called the police they wouldn't have been saying nothing thank because, you it would have been instantly a him being racist because I mean especially like us out here in the Bay Area we didn't went through like the the the, the barbecue Becky's and the, the mm-hmm. permit patties we don't we don't think we for don't a play. second yeah that when white people call the police on black people for doing anything we already know the type of game they're playing right somebody gonna die somebody's gonna die we already know it's it's racially charged but my whole thing is like why do you think that possibly another black person could not have called the police on some same racially charged anti-black shit that's what that's where i'm having the disconnect with everybody because it's like i really don't think he did it to be malicious because we already know how the police are. The police shoot first and ask questions later. But the fact that he, to me, his reasoning for calling, he did not have a legitimate reason to call the police. He just didn't. Welfare check, open structure. He did not actually have a legitimate reason to me to call the police. And that's so the anti-black why, part. Right. And it's like, you know, Willis and I had the discussion, which I wish she was on right now, because she was saying, you know, in general, it is anti-black because he puts trust in a system that has proven that they cannot be trusted mm-hmm. when it comes to our welfare and safety. But I feel like there, she's, she's, you know, like, you know, if he 
did it on some anti-black shit, she would admit that. But people are like, no, like that, that's not the reason he really was trying to care. And I'm like, I don't, I'm just not vibing with that reason. What, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And without calling names, you have to remember the place where the, the place where we were in this thread. Cause I mean, I didn't comment on thread, but I was witnessing it. It includes a lot of, it's all so tied together. We are right back to black Christians. That is a that space where that conversation happened was in a space with a lot of black Christians who in their when they see him, all they see is Deacon Jones from the Deacon Board who takes care of the community and he saw this girl and this girl was in was, you know, he wasn't necessarily taking care of the boy right and he just wanted to make sure she was okay and he called the police and how can you say these kind of things about Deacon Jones? To me, and I know I, I'm not able to really connect it in a way that folks who are listening who did not grow up in the black church can understand it. But for me, it all connects to each other and makes sense because it's all about how black folks, especially black folks who are in the church, our relationship to grace, forgiveness, to law and order, all of these things are tied up into the way, again, that we have been taught Christianity. And I know it's not, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners, I know it's not making sense. It's making perfect sense in my head, though. But it's all tied and together. I, I, know what you, I know what you're saying, and I know what you're saying. It, it, it's, it's so weird, because they didn't, in that thread that we were in, they didn't have any other reason for disagreeing with what you were saying. Aside from the fact that this was an older black man and how dare you blame him for the death of this black woman. That was it. But no other my, reason. And my whole thing is like black people are not, not they're not incapable of exerting anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. Like they're just not. They're just not. And I'm getting a lot of anti-black vibes from this whole situation. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't shoot her. But if she would have been a white woman, y'all would have been, bitch, why are you all, these motherfucking white people always worried about what the fuck we doing? It would be a bunch of that. They wouldn't have a problem understanding that he was police, he was policing the way that she was parenting. Because like we said, she was a caregiver for this little boy. He was policing her parenting. The same way that Barbecue Becky was policing the way that black folks were acting at the, at the, you know, at the lake. The same way that the man was policing how to, the other dude in San Francisco was waiting outside of a building. But they can't grasp the concept that black folks can be. But when we do it all the time, we talk about it all the time, how black folks police other black folks. How you, you posted something today about um, pictures of pictures of children with signs that talk about the reasons that their parents are shamed. To me, it's the exactly. same thing. It's the same shit. But it's like we, we're, and it's real easy to look at it from a standpoint of black men constantly try to police black women's bodies mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And we'll call that shit out quickly. But I, I'm like, why? I think the disconnect is because it's coming from the police. And he didn't actually pull the trigger, but I'm like, he's a part of the bigger scope of the issue that people use the police as their personal mm-hmm. bodyguards, watchdogs, security, yeah, watchdogs, security, when they don't even really have a true reason. But people, because, and I really think, I, I believe how you believe that 
he tried to spin the story as being one of concern because she got shot. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would have been as concerned or as apologetic for bringing the police un, uh, un, unnecessarily to her house, which can still be traumatizing whether you get shot or not, whether you die or not. It can still be very traumatizing for the police to come and harass you at your house at 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, can only, I can only just imagine what that young boy is feeling to see his aunt got shot by the fucking house by the police in front of him and he's eight years old i can only imagine what he is feeling but it can still be traumatizing even if it does not end in death courtney we can't eat ice cream we can't play video game in our own fucking house in our own house it's too much it's absolutely nigga. Too I'm much. looking for. I I need one of them bomb shelters. Chris Jenner was talking about. Right, because like, so underground at this point. Because what do you what do you do? Where are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? Because there's literally nowhere for you to be safe. And like I said, I've internalized a lot of this story because. I feel so many ways about both these stories because I have a, an apartment that is similar set up to, to Botham's where there's multiple floors and it's just one straight hallway. And if you get off on the wrong floor, you could be confused. And you could think that my door is your door if you don't, if you aren't paying attention mm-hmm. for whatever yeah. reason. And so I feel some type of way about that. I feel some type of way as being a young woman with a young child who would be up in the middle of the night what if somebody wants to call their ass supposedly doing a welfare check on me because they see my screen door open at 2.30 in the morning not knowing I'm having a hot flash because they don't actually fucking know me or any of my business to and, know why I could be up. Or check this out. This is the second This is the second death. Philando Castile was the first that we know of um, where the person was carrying in a, a right to carry state, an open carry state, they did what they were supposed to do and they still ended up shot. And then later on, when they after their murder, people tried to use the weapon as the reason what they were murdered. No, they were licensed to carry. In his case, he had his permit. He was getting his permit. In her case, I don't think... I think she did point at the police because he never identified himself. Am I right? Right. Which is, no, and, and, and then that is also on the body cam that he does not identify himself as the police. Yeah. So... You not identifying yourself as the police and technically trespassing on property. Mm-hmm. She had every right to shoot at your ass. In the backyard, just like Stefan Clark. It's always a trip when these 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 deaths start to mirror each other. In the backyard, just like Stefan Clark here in Sacramento. We were having a conversation today. I was talking to uh, um someone about you know, I'm on the board of SF Pride and we're talking about going forward and engaging with the police. But what we what we were talking about was when is someone going to finally... I mean, I'm, I know we have in passing, but really, cop culture. This idea of, you know, you see something, you just shoot it. You see something, you drag it away. Because that was the situation we were dealing with then. 
you you know you drag it away you strip search it you de- you never actually deal with the situation there's no there's mm-hmm. never any de-escalation of any sort mm-hmm. you just see something and you shoot it and he was telling me about how in the military actually you're not trained that way because in the military if you're if you're in another country you know you are you're you're not covered by the government you are a, a visitor you are not from that place so they have to they are trained to actually stop and think or whatever they're supposed to do before they shoot but with police this police culture is all about as soon as you see some well it's like you, you see something say something you see something you shoot it Mm-hmm. So when are we going to take a hard line? When are people going to really take a hard line stance on police culture and the way that people are taught in the in the academy? This is what they taught in the academy. And then, of course, the way they engage with communities, it's never that you it's, it's always that your life is in danger mm-hmm. every yep. time they're, they're taught that they are in danger at all times. Yep. And so if it comes down, if I, if I'm going into a community thinking that I am in danger, then I might I'm already on edge. I'm not going to try to deescalate nothing because I think I'm about to die every day. And you see every, and you see every person on the street in that community as someone who is going to kill you. Right. Hmm. It's been a lot, folks, that we have, and we're, as you can tell by our, you know, sometimes when I do the show, I, I, I put my facts in front of me and we narrate through, but how do you, this is a lot to process. How do you process it? And, and it's still like ongoing. Like I said, we put this on the book maybe two weeks ago to record this show. And literally a couple of days later, Tatiana had been murdered. Like all these things. No, first Joshua. Joshua came first. Then Tatiana. Yeah, Joshua came first because he was like the day after, mm-hmm. maybe like two days after we were supposed to originally record mm-hmm. when that had happened. And it's like, oh my God, like now we got even more to talk about because now shit is really getting, I mean, shit was already out of control, but now it's really out of control. But I really want, and I wanted for this episode, and unfortunately we weren't able to, I really want to have more conversations with theologians, theologians who are actually into doing this radical progressive work as as far as really the, the, the term decolonizing forgives, it was something that was actually in my head when we were having this conversation. I think I, first I posted something that said um, black church people, we need to have a conversation about the toxic ways that we have been taught to, to wield and use forgiveness. And then I think I went to work or something. But in my in my head, I, I had this idea, this thought, decolonizing forgiveness. Because decolonizing is always about t- stripping away the ways that we were taught this idea in a colonialist way. Or, you know, the, for us, for us African-Americans, the way that we were taught it in something like slavery or something. Um, something that's basically supporting white supremacy. As I keep saying this whole episode... Forgiveness is important, but there there is a way that you actually are taught, the toxic way that supports white supremacy, supports homophobia, supports all the things. Um, and before I could even say it out loud, um, writer and educator Stacey Patton said it on her page. 
decolonizing forgiveness. A lot of we talk about decolonizing all the things. All we're talking about decolonizing fitness. We talk about decolonizing food. So this is just another thing that we really need to think hard about. Especially when we think about the, the, the Bible itself and what it says about forgiveness and how do we how do we take the oppression out of the way that we deal with forgiveness and the way that we deal with grace. So do you have any closing thoughts on these topics, Courtney? If you see a bitch up at two o'clock in the morning, mind your business. Right. Well, well, my thought is, and I put this on Facebook, and I'm, I'm put this in perpetuity on on the C Dub show. If something happened, or if you don't know if I'm well, or if you need to make sure I'm okay, I got a list of people for you to call. Starting with my cousins, and then my aunties. If you got time, call my mom and my sister in Louisiana. The only cop you're allowed to call is my cousin, and don't call him on nine one one. Call him on his phone. If you don't have his phone number, don't call him. Don't call the police department talk about uh, Brandon's cousin, Carolyn. No, don't call him. Because they're going to send somebody else and they're going to shoot me. If you, if, if, <laughs> if, unless you hear me screaming for help, <laughs> don't call the police. Don't, I'm don't, from. Don't, don't, don't call. Unless you see a fire, uh, you hear gunshots, don't call the police. I'm fine. It's just a shame that that at this point, black folks are having to think, rethink about how to survive. Like, not even just police. Like, when we think about, we were talking about the other day about Nia Wilson on BART fucking just get stabbed. Just by a crazy white man, just stab her. No, we have to start thinking about all these different ways to navigate, to exist. Because we might get shot, we might get stabbed, and you just don't know. Man, black emergency card is a thing. Y'all better put out there who to call, but don't call the police. All right, Courtney. So where can the people find you in the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at short Courtney and then on Instagram at underscore short Courtney underscore on Facebook as Courtney Cecilia Welch. Don't come on my page being weird, though. I didn't have to block people. Don't come with no fuck shit. Don't come with no fuck shit. Um, know your role, know your place. Because <laughs> uh, I will not tolerate the nonsense. Um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find Perfect. us. All right, well, you can find me on Facebook as Dub Carolyn. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as C-Dub the host. Um, you can also find the C-Dub show across all social media platforms um, as the C-Dub show. And, of course, you can please follow, like, share, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, and on Spotify. So Kevin, that, you want to say anything? Yeah. What do you want to say? You want to say hi? Say hello? Hello. 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 How are you? Good. Good. Are you excited about your brother? 
They can't see you. You can't shake your head. Yes. Oh my God. Are you excited about being a big brother? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Are you, are, did, does your mommy's hair stink when she straightens it? Did it smell when mommy was straightening her hair? I smell your hair. <laughs> you smell my hair? <laughs> oh, it smells good now. He smelled it. He said it smells good now. Oh, okay. Y'all, if y'all are not following Courtney on Facebook, Courtney and Caleb really do have, like, I mean, I'm concerned. I am concerned. <laughs> I feel like maybe Courtney should lock her door at night. Okay. Nah, because he comes in and wants to talk about stuff at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, so like I said, you see the lights <laughs> on at 3. Mind your business. My baby went to the bathroom, and now he wants to tell me something. What he wants to tell me is actually ask for water. <laughs> So he he's at this stage where he thinks that t- that asking and telling are the same thing. He's like, "Mommy, I need to tell you something." By what? Can I have apple juice? That's not that's, telling me something. That's, that's, a question. that's a question. So he's like, "I got to tell you a question." <sighs> well, he's only he's on. Wait, how old is Caleb? You want to tell me a question? What question is that? Why is my why? Is- I see baby. Why is my baby brother coming on 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 my birthday? Why is he coming on? Well, he's supposed to come before your birthday. Oh. Yeah. yeah. After this, you're gonna take a shower, okay? Well, all right, folks. That is this episode of the C Dub Show. We will see all of y'all in the interwebs later. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye. The C-Dub Show.